Welcome to the Holistic Endo Expert Podcast. This is your girl, your host, Dr. Johnson, and I want to personally welcome you to season two of this amazing podcast. This podcast is going to put you in the driver's seat of your health by giving you the tools, tips, and tricks that you need to not only manage endometriosis, but take you from endo warrior to endo conqueror. Welcome, welcome. We are here for another episode. You guys already know how it is. You know how we roll. Delving in with all things endometriosis, this information is going to put you in the driver's seat of your health. Like we always say, endometriosis is chronic systemic inflammation throughout the entire body. You know my soapbox. I know, rolling your eyes right now, but this is the thing. We cannot sweep everything under the endometriosis rug. We talk about it all the time. Not every sign and symptom, ache and pain is all endo. There is more going on. And so you guys have listened to my podcast, heard a lot of my healing journey, and mold, mold, mold is what we are talking about today. Before you tune out, because many of you are like, I don't deal with mold. My, you know, my bathtub and my bathroom, I bleach it all the time. Especially if you're that person, you definitely want to stay tuned because there may be a little bit more going on than you bleach in that bathroom every other day. Mold is a big deal. It is wrecking havoc on so many different people's health, right? So many people are dealing with this. Now, many of you may have had an uptick in the symptoms during the scandemic because you were dealing with sick, you know, sick mold building and sick building syndrome. Some of you had an uptick in symptoms because you were at home 24-7 all of a sudden. And then you realize you may have had a bigger problem. I have got my man, Michael, in the house. He's going <laughs> to do an intro and really just unpack this. Like I said, this may not be one of your sexy, you know, how to make the endo pain go away. But I'm telling you right now, some of the gems that are going to be dropped in this episode really are going to help you pivot your health. It's going to open your eyes that there's more going on than just a little period pain and bloating and some hormonal acne. So with that long intro, I am passing it over to my man, Michael. Well, thank you so much for having me here. And I don't know if I can defeat that intro because that was amazing. Um, <laughs> but but hopefully the goal is today is to make science a little more sexy so that we can get through this and really get the information that we need to master our health instead of kind of be the effect of it. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became what I would say the mold expert, kind of the go-to when it comes to social media and not just telling us about mold, but what we can do about it, what the signs and symptoms are and how we can regain our quality of life. Yeah, I definitely wasn't a little boy saying I want to dream, you know, I dream of being a mold expert as a molder. So, right. Um, uh, my dad's been in this industry since I'm uh, five years old. So I've been around construction my entire life. He did general contracting and fire restoration were his two main things that he did. Um, and of course, fires get put out with water. And so you get some mold issues uh, that develop throughout that course of it. But honestly, it wasn't until after Hurricane Sandy that happened in the Northeast where I started to see this pattern of people getting sick inside their homes. Yeah, you know, I would go to people's homes, working for my dad, uh, just sitting at people's kitchen counters with them, trying to learn more about what they were trying to accomplish. And just to hear the wide range of symptoms that people would experience from, from person to person. Um, it really started to dawn on me that there's a lot more to this air quality piece that relates to our health than we currently know about. Um, and, and that is true today, 10 years later. So I think um, for me, you know, watching people take 20,000 breaths per day, um, watching people spend 90% of their time at home indoors, um, and really seeing a declining health when we have better access to food and better access to water than ever before, something doesn't add up. And, and what I believe is, is actually the um, not paying attention to the air quality uh, and the transition of our lifestyles and the energy efficiency that we're pushing at homes without looking at the consequences of that, that is what I think is, is leading to the declining health of our population. And that's huge. Like you said, the energy efficiency, everybody wants to be energy efficient. But what I do know is the materials that are being used now are much different than what was used before. So kind of let's just start on this path because many people I know on my podcast, you know, it's very endo pain driven. You know, what can we do to support our mental health? What can we do to get out of pain? But I'm telling you, I want us to really have you break it down because many people are like, this isn't an issue for me. Like, why would I care about this? What's in it for me? Well, I think what's in it for you is the fact that autoimmune diseases and deficiencies and disorders are on the rise, right? And there is no explanation for it. Um, I think that what's in it for us is realizing that air quality um, and paying attention to air quality and being in control of the quality of air that we're breathing 
is going to probably be the one of the biggest um, solutions to our healthcare system today. Um, Joseph G. Allen from Harvard uh, wrote a book about um, you know the air quality and buildings and how things are going in the wrong direction. Um, he he'd said that the person who controls your air quality uh, has a more profound effect on your health than your doctor. This is what he believes. And this is based upon all the research he's doing at Harvard. It's really interesting because, you know, we we get sick, we go to the doctor, right? We take a pill, and I, this isn't your your practice, right? I'm just just the standard American way. Right. You get diagnosed with something, you take a pill. The pill suppresses the symptoms, but doesn't address the root cause. And now we likely need another pill to deal with the first pill symptoms, right? Because they're going to have side effects, and we just get hooked on pills, right? The standard American medical system, you don't, there's never a plan to get you off the pill. It's a plan to get you on the pill, right? And so we then build this dependency on medicine. The problem is, is that we stopped asking ourselves, well, why do we need the medicine in the first place? And I think for a lot, obviously you have genetics, epigenetics, right? Diet, exercise, there's, there's a confluence of factors here. But for, for me, what's interesting is when you talk to, to human beings on planet earth, and you ask them about air quality, they have no clue that the 20,000 breaths that they take each day might have any influence on how they feel, which is, to me, um, something we need to change and change quickly. It really is a lack of education. Like, I'll have to be honest, I've had a real run-in with mold. And many of you know my story, the Reader's Digest version, you know, nearly died of mold a few years ago, about two and a half years ago in the scamdemic, got re-exposed to black mold, again, debilitating to my body. Not exposure one, not exposure two, but number three. Third one, my body was like, yeah, girl, we don't know if we're going to make it. Like, it was horrible. And just what with what you're saying, the whole intake of air, intake of breath. For me, it's always been a bigger deal being diagnosed with asthma as a child. So I've always been more aware about, you know, making sure I'm doing diaphragmatic breathing, you know, managing asthma, et cetera. But at the end of the day, you really have no idea what the impact of the air quality is doing. You have no idea. And once again, this is not fear mongering. This is what I call patient empowering, the more information and knowledge you have. So talk to us a little bit about our breath, because even as I take a deep breath, we take that for granted, but many people are dealing with diagnoses where they don't know where they came from. And even if you do know, it's still like the root cause. Yes, it may be in your genetics to have endo, PCOS, fibroids, all of these autoimmune issues. But just like Michael said in the beginning, why is autoimmune issues under the rise? Why is everything being swept under autoimmune when they can't explain it? When your body is in so much chaos, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, that sounds like an autoimmune issue, which is fine, right? It puts our hearts at ease and our minds at ease to know what's going on. How is it that we're always coming down with another autoimmune issue? Not to mention, I'm going to circle back to the whole pills for every ill. Nothing wrong with pharmaceuticals, but if you're reliant on those 24-7 and you've got two symptoms, you take two pills, then you've got 18 side effects, so now you're on a couple more pills. At the end of the day, he made a really good point. Have you ever had a doctor besides someone like myself or someone that's a naturopathic medicine or functional medicine sit down and say, hey, LJ, you're taking these amount of medications. You're taking five prescriptions. Let's create a plan to get the five to four, the four to three. Let's create a plan so we can titrate the dosage down. How many of you have ever had that conversation? Probably not so much, right? So this is information that's going to be able to empower you, not saying to take your pharmaceuticals. That is not what I'm saying. I'm a doctor, but not yours. So you need to talk to your doctor. But this is what I'm saying. This information is power, air, breath, all of this is really packed in together. You know, I'm not a doctor either, so people can take this with a grain of salt, but I'm just a human being that likes to be curious and ask a lot of questions. And so we know about genetics and we know about epigenetics and I don't have to be a doctor to be able to, you know, read stuff and uh, re read studies. Uh, genetics obviously makes someone susceptible to a particular illness, but they don't make someone born with an illness, Right. So, okay, maybe we're more susceptible, but how are we still getting that illness, right? And we need to start asking more of those types of questions so we can get down to the root cause and find more answers. Um, you know, the, the power of the breath is really important. We start this world with a breath, we leave this world with a breath, right? Um, we need oxygen to survive. As a matter of fact, you're not gonna go more than a few minutes without oxygen. Uh, if you ever sat near a window on a sunny day and you saw that sunlight refract off the dust, 
and show you how much dust you're actually breathing in on a consistent basis, you'll know like we're breathing in a lot of crap that our body has to then fight to filter out. And so if you have things like mold, bacteria, viruses, um, all sorts of environmental toxins that will that we will breathe in, um, it's going to have an effect on us. And it's something that we're not aware of because we don't see it, right? Mold is two to four microns in size. That means it's 25 to four, 50 times smaller than what the eye can see. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're used to looking at mold from this perspective of like, oh, it's this nasty, gross stuff that I see on my wall. Well, yeah, that's an organism that's constantly recreating particles. And those particles are what you're actually breathing in, right? And so that's where we have to kind of switch our focus to. We have to remember the cycle of life, right? So we have birth, then we have life, then we have decay, and then we have death, right? This is how any organism on this planet, that's that's how it is. Now, what is mold? What's its function? Its function is to help with the death cycle. Literally, like when it's fall and we have leaves all on the floor, what do you think's eating away at those leaves to break them apart and disintegrate, you know, disintegrate them? It's mold, right? Mold is mold does help break down decaying organic matter. That's what it does. Uh, it doesn't differentiate between your building materials and a dead leaf outside. It's just gonna eat whatever it will eat. Um, and so when you look at it from that perspective, you know, having too much mold inside your body, probably not a great thing, right? Now our body's gonna fight to remove it. Um, and this is, you know, we have to start thinking about these things and tying them in together because otherwise we might think a little bit of mold in our homes, probably not a big deal. But if that little bit of mold is just the tip of the iceberg and there's actually a lot more than we think, that's where I start to see, you know, mysterious health issues in people. I, I like how you said that mysterious, the whole I'm always sick. I don't know what's wrong with me. I go to the doctor. They can't figure it out. Now I'm not diagnosing everyone that's saying, if you have mystery symptoms, you have mold, but this is so important. What does it look like for someone that may be experiencing this? And I also want to say the big word you said decay, if it's going to decay the landscaping, the lawn, the stuff outside during the fall, think about what it's actually doing to your body. Once again, For my people that just like to and hit all that bleach in the bathroom, nothing wrong with that, but let's take it a little bit deeper, right? And I know I feel like I'm jumping ahead because I'm like, I know how big it can be. I know how big of a deal it can be. But if that mold is working outside of the home in the garden doing its thing, think about what it's doing inside of your body. Many of you, I want Michael to start talking about what are some of the symptoms when the mold is kind of starting to decay and wreak havoc on your internal physical system? You know, it's like anything else, um, obviously a lot of variables, but you have acute symptoms and you have severe symptoms, right? And so acute, you're going to have, and, and and I don't mean to downplay this because people that experience these symptoms um, probably, might not feel so acute to them, but there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot more severe symptoms too, that is important to cover. You know, you're going to, you're going to see things from like brain fog and fatigue, especially chronic fatigue, uh, eczema, skin issues, hives, rashes, the whole nine gut issues, inflammation, um, neurological impacts. Uh, Dr. Dale Bredesen's doing amazing work on the early onset of Alzheimer's. I mean, people in their forties having starting to have Alzheimer's due to mold exposure, um, dementia, early onset of dementia. Again, people that are starting to experience dementia much earlier in life than they typically would. So this, this affects our elderly community, of course, too. Um, we're starting to see like triggers and pans and pandas. We're starting to see the Lyme community get severely impacted by this. I mean, if you, if you name an autoimmune disease or disorder or deficiency, you will find some sort of relationship with mold in that where the symptoms get much, much worse. We're seeing people with long COVID uh, have COVID symptoms much longer due to the poor air quality inside their homes. Right. And so the, 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 the actual, where does this start and stop? Um, at this point in time, we just don't know, have all that information. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of studies pointing to all this stuff. And then we get into mycotoxins, right? And that's a whole other topic. This is a toxin that mold can produce certain species that have their own implications on your health, right? And so now we start getting into these, you know, more profound pathogens, these more profound uh, neurological experiences, um, uh, immune system disruption, uh, just to give one example for people, like mycophenolic acid is a mycotoxin that is produced by certain species of penicillium. 
Now we all heard penicillin before. That's a mold that we produce a lot of antibiotics from antibiotics, meaning it kills your biotics <laughs> in your body. Right? So it, what it does though, is mycophenolic acid specifically, it is a known immune suppressant, meaning we make immune suppressing drugs from this mycotoxin from mold. Why do we do that? Well, if you're getting an organ transplant, for example, you need to actually suppress your immune system so that your immune system doesn't fight this new foreign object in your body so that it doesn't reject the organ and put you back to square one, right? So yes, there's some, some gifts that we need medicine for, for sure, without a doubt. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't use the knowledge that we have in medicine to make the connection that we might not want mycophenolic acid in our homes uh, on purpose, creating an immune disruption that we can no longer control, right? And so we have a lot of the pieces of the puzzle already here, um, but we need to do a better job as a civilization connecting those pieces to really make a profound statement like, hey, air quality and having mold or bacteria abundant in our homes, probably not a good thing. Right. It's connecting the dots. It's putting all the pieces together. And I think sometimes when you're in pain and you know, you've got the runny nose, you've got the brain fog, you've got all these symptoms. You're just like, what supplement, what juice, what do I do to get some success? And there's nothing wrong with what I call bringing in the band-aids. You don't want to be throwing spaghetti, AKA supplements at every symptom that'll only get you so far. And even while you're doing that, it's like, find someone like myself or someone that can kind of draw out and look and see exactly what's going on. Now, when we start talking, about air quality with everything you said, if someone's listening and they're like, okay, I may have some of these symptoms, what does that air quality look like? And then start giving us, because if you guys have not, I mean, if you're multitasking, do it later. But if you have not seen his Instagram, honey, money. Yes. Like so many things that are eye-opening. Once again, you just think of mold in certain areas. And if you can't see it, you don't believe it. I am telling you, he just told you how, how tiny is mold again? 25 to 50 times smaller than what the eye can see. P.S. That means you can't always see it. I'm going to throw it in because I dealt with a landlord one time that was like, I don't smell anything. God bless her. Doesn't mean you're always going to smell it either. So just because you cannot see it, you cannot smell it does not mean it's not wrecking havoc on your air quality. 250,000 spores can fit on the head of a pin. That's how tiny this stuff is, right? And so when you see a big spot on your wall, there's a lot of it there, a lot, right? And so that, if it's constantly creating particles and toxins that then settle amongst our dust, remember that, that uh, story I tell you about the light coming in the window, we see how much dust is in our air, good. Well, so when this stuff becomes part of our dust, we're breathing in our dust all the time, it's not, it's not gonna be a pretty picture. So it's really important, you know, and we, we should talk about like identifying this and stuff too, because I think that's really important because a lot of people get uh, messed up there um, when they call an inspector and just take like an air sample in the center of the room. Um, you know, I think we want to start with what are we being exposed to, then kind of work our way back to like, okay, where might this be coming from? We, we want it all. Give it to us all. Yes, I know. Because I, like I said, I've dealt with this many of times. I've had to mitigate at home, did all the things, you know, my insurance, I begged them to buy me out. I was like, please just buy me out. <laughs> they would not do it. They renovated 93, I repeat, 93% of my entire home was mitigated, redone, took over a year and a half. I slept in that home for probably not four hours and ended up having to call the ambulance because despite all the mitigation and everything that had been done, they had ripped it down to the studs. My body was still sensitive, right? So not saying that to fear monger, once again, to empower you, but break it down for us. You know, what does it look like for air quality and how do we identify it? Because what you're saying is we may not walk into the home and be like, ah, this is, you know, this has mold. Now, some of us may be a little more sensitive. I can step into a building and be like, yeah, you have a problem. <laughs> like I can tell you right here, right now, my, you know, it's like the tiniest little symptoms, like the tip of my nose will start itching like crazy. Like I will be perfectly fine. I mean, I'll just honestly say it. There's a safe way here near my home. I can't shop there. Anytime I go in there, my nose is itching like crazy. I can't even focus. I don't even remember why I went into the Safeway to get. It's like, it's very simple. But some of you, you're like, I'm not reacting. Or maybe you're like, I have brain fog all the time, right? I, if I can't see it, I can't smell it. And I have brain fog. So walk us through exactly what they need to do and what they're looking for. So I think I want you guys to understand, like when I got into this industry, you know, I started seeing people that were sick and I was going into their homes and these homes were supposedly remediated, right? So mm -hmm. like it looked fine. 
but the scientific information showed the house was far from fine. And that's the crazy part is like you walk in, everything's clean. It looks, smells fine. Everything looks fine. It was just repaired. Right. And what I realized is that this, this entire industry was essentially created for the insurance industry to be able to restore homes when they have an issue. But restoration was mainly a visual thing. You know, you had a water damage event, right? You had some stains on your walls. Your floor was cupping a bit. They'd come in, they'd cut it out, put it all back, and you're, you're done. But there's a whole science to this, right? You want to understand, was there microbial growth? Good. Well, uh, how, how bad was it? Do we have to go further? Because mold has roots that grow into building materials. So just cutting out what's wet is probably not far enough. You might need to go a little further. None of this stuff was really being applied. Um, and that's what really kind of drove me up a wall because I'm like, well, this isn't, this isn't working. And I'm, I'm just seeing this pattern of maybe a thousand homes in this area over a span of a few years. This, this, you know, you talk about over 50 years, um, across the country, how many, there's 50,000 restoration companies. You start to do the math on this and you're like, yeah, we're, we're, this is a big problem. Um, as I really started to realize, here's what they do. They come in, they take an air sample in the center of your room. Sometimes they take one air sample for the whole home. And if that one air sample in the center of the room says, okay, there's less mold inside than outside, we're good to go. Um, that is a pretty flawed ideology. And the reason being is because actually the further away from the source of the problem that you take a sample, the less likely you are to, to find anything abnormal. Um, it's kind of like scanning for a brain tumor in your stomach. Like you're, it's not in your stomach. You can't scan for a brain tumor in your stomach and say, well, guess what? You have no brain tumor. Cause I scanned your stomach. It, it, it is really that ridiculous that I'm trying to, to teach you guys, because essentially the center of the room is the least likely to have any problems. You know, typically the problems are either on an exterior wall, meaning like a wall that shares commonality with outside. Uh, or an interior wall that has a plumbing device on it, like a vent or a pipe, or et cetera, or maybe an interior wall that has an HVAC vent in it, right? Due to condensation or humidity, et cetera. So we're testing far away from problems, potential problems, to then use that as a screening tool to say the whole house is fine. So that is like inherently flawed. Actually, the best way to tell what you're exposed to is by testing your dust. Because if you test your dust using PCR technology, it's DNA specifics, you know exactly what's there. An air test actually is a cassette that gets sent off to a lab and someone under a microscope is physically counting whatever they see. And then they're like, well, that looks like aspergillus. So we'll just mark that as that. And that looks like atomium. And not to say that they're, they're not accurate, but it's, it's definitely not as accurate as, as PCR technology because it's mm -hmm. DNA specific, right? Um, when we look at those two testing strategies, the other flaw is once mold travels and settles within your dust, it binds to your dust, right? Mm -hmm. The problem with that is these air cassettes that take samples in the center of your room, well, the dust is not getting in there. The dust is actually too big. It is designed to only capture small isolated particles like a mold spore so that it could be analyzed. So if the dust particle with all these mold particles attached to it's too large and it bounces off and it goes you know, back in some other direction, then you're not analyzing all the spores that might already be inside that room just floating in the air. But you are breathing that stuff in every time you take a breath. So it's not accurately measuring what you're breathing in. And the biggest problem with that is the ideology that anybody, any normal human being would have. If I want to check my air quality, I test the air. But as you can see, it's not so simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I definitely can relate to that. And it, it's also disheartening too. And then you start, you know, especially in this community, we always have been gaslit and people not believing us. So then you're like, okay, I feel horrible. I know there's something going on. My asthma's flaring up, eczema, whatever, but the air quality and in my insurance is saying everything is fine. So then you're like, well, I don't know what else to do. And it, it is, so like you said, it really is a racket. One thing I will just toss out there as well. And I'll ask Michael um, your opinion. What are your thoughts when you have the testing company being owned by the mitigation or the restoration company, you know, where they're all in all in one umbrella? What are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I mean, it's illegal in some states. Um, it certainly could be a conflict of interest mm-hmm. because it, for, for, for two different reasons. So if I go into your home and say, I found all these crazy problems and this is what it's going to cost to fix and that's a high price tag. And then, you know, it, it just, I don't know, that rubs me the wrong way, right? Um, and I think data, when you look at the scientific community, data is always supposed to be unbiased, right? So if you send somebody out to your home that, you know, is there to just collect data, then it's unbiased if I'm putting together a plan for you because I'm just putting a plan together on data that I didn't collect myself, right? There's no benefit for me to then, you know, try to skew the data. Now on the flip side, which is I think the worst problem, even if you get past all that, if I do a job and then I know testing and I do my own testing, well, I could just test further away and then say, hey guys, guess what? all cleared here. And I'm not, you know, that, that gets into integrity issues. And mm-hmm. I'm not, a, I'm not saying that anyone who does that has does that type of testing has low integrity and is going to do that, but it's just why put yourself in that position? You know, I think it's just better safe than sorry to just have one team that doesn't care whether it passes or not, just wants to get you unbiased information. Another team that you know, just wants to do the the right process and improve your air quality and then stand by the results and make the improvements that they need to make if the results show that more work is needed, right? And so you really need two kind of team players that I think just makes it a much smoother process and you know you can trust it more. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Took the words right out of my mouth. So if someone's dealing with this issue, and, you know, they're, they're doing the testing or whatever. What are some of the things, what do you do for the person that's like, I don't know if the testing's in my budget, or I don't want to jump right there. Or maybe, you know, you are listening to this podcast and you're like, I'm buying it, but your partner's like, yeah, I'm not really buying it. Like, where do they need to look? Cause like you said, it's not always visual, right? You're not always going to smell something, but where are some of the, you know, top hotspots I'd say in the home that mold can be? Well, first off, I want to say like, starting with the dust test. It's like 250 bucks. And I know that's not an insignificant amount of money, but we're talking about your health and yes. you're going to spend thousands upon thousands of dollars spinning your wheels if you don't have a good environment to heal inside. So you, you, you have to make that investment to get that information. The second thing is, you know, when it comes to hotspots, because if you do a dust test, it's going to tell you, okay, this is what I'm being exposed to. Okay. Maybe the results aren't good. Now I need to figure out where it's coming from. Right. And so that, then we have to take that next step to where might the problem be. And you may need some more help for that from a professional that can help you with that. But the hotspots are going to be kitchens and bathrooms, right? Water sources, attics, crawl spaces, and basements, HVAC systems, the secondary that you'll see is like leaking windows, leaking doors, you know, leaking exterior foundation issues, right? But those are the main symptoms, those are the main sick parts of the home that you'll find. Now, showers built prior to 2015 basically had no good waterproofing prevention strategies. So most most of us that have bathrooms that were built before 2015 have no waterproofing, which means that water that seeps into the grout, you know, our grout gets wet when we take a shower, has the ability over time to just get into that wall cavity or ceiling cavity, et cetera, and start to grow mold behind the tile, right? And so um, those are some issues that, that we've come to learn and adapt to. And now you're seeing a lot more showers being properly waterproofed, you know, post-2015. Um, you know, we're learning and adapting, but unfortunately, you know, these homes have issues. Uh, brand new homes have mold. Brand mm-hmm. new. You're like, how's that possible? Well, because mold is abundant in the soil. And a lot of these companies will leave lumber sitting in the soil, supposed to be elevated, wrapped, leaving both ends open for ventilation. Supposed to be. These are the regulations. Do people follow the regulations? Unfortunately, not enough. So we have mold, lumber sitting in the soil, allowing mold to grow and transfer on the soil when it rains. Then, of course, you have just it rains when you build a home, right? And before all the waterproofing is done on the outside, that moisture will absorb into the wood. Uh, before you bring in insulation and drywall, if it's not properly dried, if it's not inspected to just make sure, hey, there's no mold here or there, let's change this piece of wood or clean this piece of wood. Well, then a lot of times mold gets trapped behind the walls when the house is being built. 
And now it transfers into the HVAC system over the first few months that you're living there. And it just becomes a, a problem, right? So I'm seeing an increase of helping people with new construction homes, which is something just, you know, ridiculous for, for where we need to be versus where we are. Um, and then, you know, I think a lot of these, it's moisture, right? If, if water gets into our home and it doesn't dry fast enough because mold can start to grow in 24 to 48 hours, now we're, we're going to have it. And if we're not diligent in making sure we're making these repairs properly, uh, well, then we're not maintaining our homes right. Then we're selling our homes to other families. Then we're buying homes from other families. And we're just kind of trading um, these poor situations to each other. And this is really becoming a big problem in our society. I want to circle back to the HVAC system. People are like, my, you know, my air conditioner's not leaking. You know, we already had it, you know, spring proof, summer proof, whatever. What are some of the things that, that, that are maybe being overlooked when it comes to the HVAC system? Because it's definitely more than just changing out the filter. There's way more to the process. You know, is this, is this a video, this, this podcast? Yes. Good. I'm a, can, video. can I share my screen? Cause I'm a, absolutely. I'm a, Let's do this here. Break right. it on down. Absolutely. So if if you're listening to this and you're not watching it, well, then you better come watch it because what I'm about to show you is going to blow your mind. So this is part of an air conditioning unit called a coil. All right. Now, as you can see with this coil, I'm going to zoom in here. Um, this is like just thousands of little tiny pieces of metal welded together. These are the fins of the coil. Mm -hmm. This is pretty thick and deep. So as you can see, uh, unless you have something that is about as small as a toothpick and you have an, an infinite amount of time on your hands, that'll just go <laughs> in between every piece of metal to clean this. Cleaning this is very difficult. I yes. mean, to get it perfect, probably impossible. Luckily, if we go back to the price up here, I don't know, this is a good min and it's $394, right, to buy it. So it's, it's not the end of the world. But um, unfortunately, these things always condensate. And what do we know about condensation? It can grow mold, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's water. Uh, this is the piece, and this is the piece which requires you to have a drip pan, right? So many of us know our HVAC machines have a drip pan, and we see these white PVC lines taking us from this coil or outside of our house somewhere. So when it is constantly draining water, this thing is wet 100% of the time that your air conditioning system is running. Now, Let's tie some dots here. We just, we just talked about mold is 25 to 50 times smaller than what the eye can see. Mm. That's two to four microns. Okay, most of us have these filters, right, inside our HVAC unit that we probably change not as often as we should. These filters, most of them are going to be MERV-8. Well, MERV-8 is not efficient enough to stop a tiny particle like mold. It will only remove mold probably 25% of the time. So that means 75% of the time mold is passing right through and getting to this coil where it can easily start to grow around this metal. And people say, well, I thought mold doesn't grow on non-porous surfaces like metal. Well, it's going to have all of this dust there as well that's bypassing this filter and all these other particles and gunk and bacteria that it can easily grow on and feed off of. And so we see these contaminated systems all the time. And um, especially if you have mold already in your home somewhere else that is creating more particles in abundance that gets sucked into that HVAC system. Um, and we need a lot of help in that department from a societal mm -hmm. standpoint to make sure we are filtering our HVAC systems much better than we are today. And there are products that we can get that are MERV 16 that block those tiny particles 99% of the time that can give us much better chance at keeping our HVAC systems clean. So just tiny circle back. If you're doing the MERV 8 or if you're doing the 4 for 399 filters, I'm going to need you to switch. We're moving to a 16, yes? Yeah. I mean, okay. the complicated part about the 16 is it's a thicker filter. It's going to require you to like retrofit something into the system, probably call an HVAC company to help you with that. But you know, whatever it costs, it is invaluable because those HVAC systems can run you 10, 15, $20,000. Mm -hmm. And if you have two or three systems in your home, that, that, that number adds up quick. So you got to protect that investment and not only financially, but protect your health because 
the HVAC system is probably one of the most vulnerable things of modern buildings that allow this problem to amplify. Right. And that that's a lot of information. Like you said, it's about protecting your investment as a homeowner. I get that. But also your health, right? If you've tried every supplement and protocol and cleanse and detox and you just can't quite turn the corner, you have to start looking at your air. So what would be the next kind of pivoting step in this situation? Well, the next pivoting step, right? We get the information. Uh, we understand that maybe our home is not as healthy as we'd like it to be. We figure out where these problems might be coming from. Um, and then we start to make those repairs. And this means like, you know, you may have a leaking window that's been leaking for a year and you had no idea. Um, you may need to order a new window and put in a new window, right? Um, you may have an HVAC system that's highly contaminated that needs to be cleaned or replaced with better filtration systems in place. Um, you may have, you know, a leaking basement or a bad shower, right? That that could be creating a pretty significant issue. So uh, unfortunately, it's probably going to require some, some renovations and some elbow grease, but um, this is going to be something that's going to make a profound impact. You know, creating a safe place at home um, is really one of the most primary things to, to do. I mean, there's a reason that hospitals have extremely high quality air quality. And it's, there's a, a reason why people are, you know, going to hospitals, getting the care that they need and essentially healing, you know, probably much faster than they would at home. And it's because the air quality is so optimal. And I think for us as human beings, we're not thinking that way. And so we come home, if we're trying to heal in a toxic environment, it's probably going to take 10 times longer to heal if we heal at all. If at all, I think that's the big thing. And so, like I said, for me, that third mold exposure was during the beginning of the scandemic, right? Everyone was at home, you know, we thought the world was ending. And so I was just in my home, you know, you're not going in, you're not going out. You've got the windows shut. You know, we were buying all the sauce. We were drinking all the Kool-Aid, but I literally just vape sealed and locked myself in a home full of mold. Like I didn't know that there was a leak, you know, and I had a crawl space and that's like a whole nother story, but it was like, there was a crawl space under the basement that I knew nothing about going back to the inspector. He kind of admitted, Oh, we didn't even know. We didn't expect that before you moved in. Right. So it was just like a whole cluster, but I had four and a half feet of water gathered under my home. So yeah, eventually it got very moldy. I didn't know I was always out working and traveling and, you know, healing every womb from here to Mexico. Had no idea I had an issue, sit at home for six weeks. And all of a sudden I started wheezing, having all these issues, but it was very interesting. Like you said, the, it was the brain fog for me. There would be days I would be questioning my own intelligence. I'm like, why can't I formulate a sentence? I'd look back at videos and I could tell like, everyone's like, oh, you look great. I'm like, I could look at myself and see my brain was working overtime to just formulate basic sentences, not even like looking at blood work and breaking down stuff and working with patients. I was like struggling to survive. And so we just need to circle back again. What are some of these signs and symptoms? Because you can't see it. You can't always smell it. It's not always going to be black mold crawling up the baseboards, but a lot of you are having some exposures and you're just not aware. Like you don't know what you don't know. So I want to touch on those symptoms once again. And then what are some things that they can start doing at home today? If they're like, I think this is an issue. There may be mold. You know, I'm sure you're all looking to see like, how old is the bathroom? If the bathroom is, you know, super old or like for me, I'm 44. You know, if I had a home, I don't have any homes that are 44 years old, but if the home is older than my firstborn, that probably in the bathroom, probably something I need to be looking at, right? Prior to 2015. So what are those signs and symptoms? And then what are some things that they can start doing today if they need to really step up this air quality? And I feel like this is definitely going to be a part two because mold is one thing and we're like mold, mold, mold. But then there's gram negative bacteria. There's other things that are going on. Mm -hmm. It really comes back to the air quality. And you guys know me, I do the unsexy stuff, right? I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, this is going to be easy. It's not, you know, it's going to cost a little extra money, some time, effort, and energy, but the healing wins that you will get on the other side, right? That mysterious, you know, exasperation and symptoms. If you're here, in Arizona during monsoon season. Yeah, it's probably raining outside and this, that, and the other. But if you're running the AC 24 seven and the humidity in your homes around 65, 70%, I know in the monsoon season, I even have to run a dehumidifier here in the desert because it is moist, right? All of that rain. Those are some of the things you have to think about. Totally. Yeah. There's a whole episode on bacteria for sure. Um, yes. You know, it, it's, it's really interesting. I'll, I'll leave you with this. 
The average human being, when they exhale a breath, releases 39 million particles of bacteria into the environment, right? And so uh, I know, crazy. Um, hmm. So yeah, if we, if we put our- <laughs> I just we, came from the gym. Okay, well, that's good to know. That's good to know. So if we put ourselves in a very small space with no ventilation, um, forget about running out of oxygen, uh, we would- we would probably drown ourselves in bacteria and just have, have a, a pretty severe issue. Um, but regardless of all that, you know, I think that's why it's so important to look at like air quality as a whole. How are we keeping our home safe and clean? Um, you talk about symptoms. Obviously, I mentioned some of the more acute ones already. I want to uh, talk about like some of the really severe symptoms I've seen. Um, there's a client of mine in, in Florida. Her name was Shannon. Shannon actually had, uh, she was diagnosed with POTS. Okay. I mean, mysteriously was super healthy, was actually a nurse practitioner, was in the healthcare industry. Um, all of a sudden like house has some leaks and stuff, some events. They didn't really think anything of it at the time. Three years after all of that, um, she is bedbound 95% of the time. She actually has a GJ feeding tube installed into her lower intestine to give her the nutrients she needs to keep her alive. I mean, she is like, quality of life shot checked out, right? Within seven days of getting the results on her, on her home and moving out of her home, GJ feeding tubes removed. Um, she's goes from bed bound 95% of the time to walking again, making lunches and dinners and all these things that she loved to do for her kids, um, that she couldn't do. Right. I mean, I've seen the most, the craziest, most mysterious things happen to people. I had a woman who went from climbing, you know, Mount Kilimanjaro to like literally in a wheelchair, like with no explanation as to why, just this multi-year decay of health. And this is all due to toxic levels of microbial exposure inside of her home, toxins and mold and bacteria, you name it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, there, there are some bizarre things out there that I've seen in my day that are unexplainable, that do not make any sense, that you won't find in any history book or any medical journal that are just very bizarre things that tend to happen to human beings um, when their immune system shuts down. And I think that you know we're, what we're seeing is we're seeing that there are certain people that are more susceptible to environmentally acquired illness, right? That's why you talk to a family, maybe one in four of them do not feel well, the other three feel fine. And you're like, how's that possible? Well, that's because for whatever reason, they're more environmentally susceptible. But the, the thing is, we don't know how this impacts even people who aren't environmentally susceptible. So uh, from a longevity perspective, from a quality of life perspective, from just a long-term health perspective, we, we have no idea, right? Because truthfully, we aren't studying this nearly as much as we should. As a matter of fact, um, up until last year, the government was only appropriating about a million dollars a year to the study of uh, air quality and the effects of air quality can have like mold, bacteria, all this stuff indoors. And when you look at like how much we just have spent on the Ukraine war, as an example, not to get political here, but it's, uh, it's, it's, a, la it's a laughable number, a million dollars. Now, since COVID, because COVID kind of opened people's eyes to like, holy crap, there's these mm -hmm. invisible microbiological things out there that can kill me and I have no idea, right? Well, uh, now all of a sudden they're appropriating like $800 billion a year to the study of indoor air quality, right? So, okay, we're now, we, we now have this very crazy mishandled situation, as I think you called it the scamdemic, was, <laughs> right? We have this very wildly mishandled scientific ball drop. Uh, that then brings us into, oh my God, we should probably care more about air quality. And now they're appropriating 800 million or billion, what, a significant amount more than what they were before. And I think that the tide is turning good. But if you listen to the rhetoric of the, of the US government and the EPA, you know, they're, they're still not connecting the dots like they should. You know, just to give one example, the EPA did a dissertation last year get a doctor from Yale, I think another one from Stanford. And they're like, well, we found some mold in the basement and we tested upstairs and we found that that mold was also upstairs, but there was no source upstairs. The source was in the basement. So that, that was strange, but also we don't know if we should clean upstairs or do anything upstairs because the mold wasn't upstairs. It was downstairs, even though we found it upstairs. And I'm just like, 
am I listening to an episode of whose line, whose line is this anyway? And these guys, these are like <laughs> decorated doctors and hot. And it's just like, guys, how did it get from downstairs to upstairs through the air? Do I need to clean upstairs? Yes. If you want to not feel it because you will breathe it in. <laughs> like, it's just like, but this is where we're at, right? They have studied so much in other directions that, and I've just been studying this direction, right? So I have a little bit of an advantage here that they're now, they're now realizing, okay, we need to probably look more at this, but then they don't know how. And then you have the elephants in the room, like, well, pharmaceutical companies, and then there's no mold toxicity insurance code, right? That doesn't exist. And then they're going to have to create that. And who's going to pay for that? And then you have this situation of, well, then what about home insurance companies that aren't covering this stuff for people properly? That's, that's going to cost a lot of money, right? There's all, the, all this like economical, mathematic gymnastics I'm sure they're doing. But at the end of the day, if you look at what is it going to cost us if we don't fix this, uh, a lot more. People, which people equals taxes, which taxes equals money, right? It's going to cost us health. It's going to cost us our industries of how we build homes, how we maintain them. You're going to have litigation over this because as more and more rolls out, right? You're going to realize people are going to realize like, well, somebody's got to hold hold the hold this accountable. I think at the end of the day, I mean, I'm actually looking at figuring out what this will cost with a data analyst firm, but mm-hmm. I suspect it's going to cost way more trillions of dollars not confronting this as a whole because this is a global epidemic, by the way, not just U.S. Then it will just ignoring it. Cause we've been ignoring it for 50 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the ignoring only goes so far. And then you start to see articles and research about sick building syndrome or, you know, the mycotoxins and what it's doing. I mean, you can be trying to heal your gut and we talk about that, you know, balancing your hormones and healing your gut. That's all fine and great. But if you're trying to heal your gut and you're doing all the, you know, gut healing foods and the protocols, and then you're sleeping by a window AC unit that's blowing mold. Or like I said, if you live in Colorado and you have those amazing swamp coolers, which they love because I'm from Colorado and I couldn't live in a home with a swamp cooler. Like it just wrecked havoc Mm. on my sinuses, but that was just some of the symptoms. But it's like, if you're doing all this stuff, so I'm going to end with this. If you're doing everything, I'm going to say this too. Definitely. We're going to have to do a part two, but if you're doing everything, we have to connect the dots and sometimes diaphragmatic breathing, you know, taking a care of your air quality, getting proper sleep, hydrating your body, some of the unsexy stuff where you're like, oh, I'm past that. Are you truly past it? Because if you're going round and round or two steps forward, 25 back, you feel amazing until it rains outside. You feel amazing until it's summer when you're running your AC all the time and you don't feel well, you have to start making those connections. I mean, even for some of you, you live somewhere that's really humid, right? I've got a patient right now that is really struggling in Houston. Now, in her situation, it is derailing her health to where her husband's like, we've got to move. We are, we are moving to save your life. Not everyone can do that. I did move. I left Colorado. I moved here to Scottsdale. I love it. Right. I had to, I just need to be out of the cold, the mold and the altitude. It did a number on my health due to the, you know, many exposures, love the mountain house, but what good is it if you're freezing up there? You can't ski, you can't do anything. And you're just cold. And they're all the, you know, mountain houses have mold. So not everyone's going to be able to up and move. So I think on the next episode, I would love for us to kind of unpack some, I don't want to say DIY, because here's the thing. I love the DIY and the do it yourself and the YouTubers, but a lot of you guys had to file some insurance claim after you were doing all these DIY stuff, right? And it didn't quite go well. And then you messed up something in your home. So I think it's something that when I say DIY, I want to empower you to know where to go. Number one, you need to be on Michael's Instagram. So many amazing tips on there, lots of information. And like he said, the dust test, because some of you are like, oh, this just sounds too expensive. Honey, you're wasting more than $250 in a weekend and you're still going to feel like shit next week. I'm just going to call it like it is. Take the $250, allot it where it is. So I think on episode two, we'll start talking more like protocols and things that you can do. So this episode's kind of building the foundation, right? So much information. Once again, air quality is important, but I think that we have now shined a different light on it. It makes more sense. We are just waiting to see the mold, smell the mold, you know, see it on the wall, you know, call for the restoration. I'm even once again, like I said, with my story, I learned just like tiny things. Like you said, just because the mold is down here, you got to go three foot up, three foot out. Sometimes you got to go a little wider. Like there's a whole process to it are just kind of sweeping that under the rug. You don't think it's a big deal or you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, 
now I'm starting to connect the dots. Now I'm starting to see that there's more to the air quality. Totally. And I think, you know, one thing that I would just want to help with perspective is quite often when I talk to people, they'll be like, man, being healthy is so expensive. Oh. And I say, well, you know, what's more expensive than being healthy, being sick. And the and average I, person yes. spends $400,000 on illness. It's crazy. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's about changing our, our, our mindsets a bit, you know, like, and prioritizing, like what is important because getting, getting sick is, is just, it's way worse. Right. And I know a lot of people listening to this might already be sick and I feel for you. Mm -hmm. So now is the time to try to put things back under control and start looking in, in things that you haven't been looking in. Right. And for a lot of people, it ends up being their home. And uh, if I can help just one person connect that dot and get the answers they're looking for, that's, that's, that's why I do this. Yeah, it's a big deal, especially when you have a home office or you work from home or you're working remote and all of a sudden you're getting worse. So Michael, where can they find you on Instagram? I keep saying Instagram, but I know you're other amazing places. And how can they connect with you before we drop part two on them? Yeah, so if you go to Instagram, it's at T-H-E Michael Rubino. Um, and if you go to the website, it's www.themichaelrubino.com. Um, you can also find if you're looking for like, okay, well, just, I need a company that can just help me sort this out. Go to homecleanse.com. That's a company I founded to help people create healthy environments. And then I also have a nonprofit because we need to change some laws. As you can see, I was very passionate about, you know, the societal changes we need to make. Well, I'm putting my money where my mouth is and actually doing something about it. And so if you go to changetheairfoundation.org, uh, you will learn all the amazing things that we're doing to literally change the air to change the world. I love it. Putting your money where your mouth is. What more can I say, right? We got to put some action to it. Thank you so much. And we'll definitely have you for part two. I'm excited to unpack this. Like I said, check the show notes, connect with us on Instagram. And thank you guys once again for checking out another episode. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode and be sure to share it with anyone that may benefit. Give us a five-star review and add us to your favorites because we are going to continue to unpack what needs to be done for you to live your best life while managing endometriosis.